0: Again, smmarketingsociety.com.
1: Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here's your host, Michael
0: Stelzner. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast, brought to you by socialmediaexaminer.com. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for marketers and business owners who want to know what works with social media. I am super excited about today's show. I'm going to be joined by Shalene Johnson and Darren Natoni, and we're going to talk about a super important topic, how to secure your social profiles, your online accounts, and your identity from hackers. And I just want to let you know that this is going to be a little bit longer show than normal, And it's a very important topic because there are professionals out there who make it a living to take over your account and sell it to the highest bidder. Now, if you own a business or you are a marketer of any kind, this is very important stuff. This is not something that you should take lightly. And you're going to learn through this interview what happened with Chalene Johnson and how you can make sure this never happens to you. And I will tell you that I have been spending enormous amounts of time securing everything that we do here at my company as a result of what you're going to hear. I was recently at Social Media Marketing World and I had a chance to connect with some of our best customers. A lot of them listen to our podcast just like you do. Not everyone knows what I'm about to share with you. We do something special here at Social Media Examiner. The best of the best So if you're ready to make real progress with your marketing, you're a perfect fit for the Social Media Marketing Society. Join us by visiting smmarketingsociety.com. We've got a really big sale that is ending very soon, so don't delay. Again, visit smmarketingsociety.com and join today. So with that, let's transition over to that interview right now.
2: Helping you simplify your social safari, here's this week's expert guide.
0: I'm very excited today to be joined by two different experts in different categories, and we're going to learn more in a few seconds about why they're here. But first, I want to introduce Chalene Johnson. Chalene is a fitness celebrity and author of the book Push, and she has a pretty massive following on Facebook and Instagram, and she's someone who's recently had her online identity essentially hijacked and sold to the highest bidder. Yes, that's correct. And joining us today also is Darren Natoni. Darren is a friend of Shaleen's, but he happens to be a very smart guy. He's a former special agent with the DEA, and he specializes in online security. He's also the chief technology officer for Sean T, a fitness celebrity with millions of followers. Shaleen, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you, Michael. Thanks for having me.
0: Darren, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. So um, let me give everybody who's listening a little context of what we're going to talk about today. I was on vacation and in the Social Media Marketing Society, which is our private membership community, somebody posted, hey, I know you had Shalene Johnson on your show and she just had her identity stolen online, her Instagram account. You got to go listen, is what she said to everybody inside of this community. So of course, I immediately downloaded it while I was on vacation. And I got back and I spent literally a half of a day um, following a lot of the advice that Darren had and went on to spend many, many days trying to secure my online identity because of the unfortunate situation that happened to Shaleen. So without any more setup, I want Shaleen to kind of tell everyone you had a really good day and then your will was rocked. (laughs) What happened?
2: (laughs) Yeah, well, I I guess that's kind of how it all culminated, I was just thinking about how grateful I was for this awesome Saturday afternoon I had spent with my husband, and I had um, just sent off a tweet saying, like, perfect day. You know, I meditated. I worked out at the beach, went shopping with my husband, had a wonderful lunch. I feel blessed. And I was just about to jump in the shower, and I hit refresh a few times, you know, just kind of checking to see if anyone maybe had retweeted it. And I don't normally do that, but I hit refresh like a bunch of times and was looking at my phone when someone sent me a message that said, I think you've been hacked. Hmm. And I'm like, where? And they're like, on, on on Twitter. I think somebody is on your Twitter. And I'm like, no, I'm on my Twitter. I, I'm not hacked. It's it's me. And uh, my friend, Natalie Jill, said, check. Go check. And it was just the strangest feeling. I, I looked, and I'm like – "I." this is crazy. Someone had already changed my bio and was tweeting while I was tweeting at the same time. So, you know, the first thing you do is you panic and you go, okay, change your password. So that's the first thing I did is I logged in, I changed my password. I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm back in. And I changed my bio and set everything back up. And, you know, certainly nobody could ever guess this crazy password I just made up on the fly. And within just a couple of minutes, they were sending off porn and, and tweeting other people, and they were back in while I was in, and I was just completely freaked out, out now, and, and, and my heart is racing, and I, I don't even know what to do or who to call or, or where to go, and my phone is just blowing up because everybody now has got wind of the fact that I've been hacked, but not just because of Twitter, but by this time, they were telling me, Shaleen, do you know your Instagram's been hacked? And then I'm just like, I mean, I I just don't even know what to do. Just panic is setting in and I'm, I I don't know who to call or what to do. My phone is blowing up. I can't even like respond to messages or change passwords because my phone is literally like exploding. All I knew was that the most valuable thing for me in terms of someone who has built an online presence and and does webinars and academies and trainings was Facebook. So I quickly went in to change everything on Facebook as fast as I could. At the worst moment, I just felt like I wasn't safe in my own home, and even though it was an internet attack, even though it was identity and it was online, and and there sh- there shouldn't have been any physical threat to it. It really felt like I, I mean I couldn't sleep, I couldn't eat, I couldn't we couldn't work. It was it was it just everything went to a screeching halt. I was afraid to walk outside of my home because. They knew and they know everything about every one of us. And like, I knew that at a high level, but until I had people, um, you know, threatening me and knowing the names of my children and knowing my previous names, my previous addresses and sending them to me and making threats, it suddenly became extremely real.
0: So Darren, talk to us a little bit about, I mean, at some point, Shaleen made contact with you and what was... Tell us a little bit about the story from your perspective. Where was she and where was, I mean, what was the, what had happened? Give us the summary from your perspective of what had happened to her.
1: Yeah, well, my wife and I had just came home from dinner and we jumped on Instagram and we were flicking through and we both noticed that this did not look like something Shaleen would be posting. And so I texted her. And I said, I think you might have been hacked. And so she immediately replied, I know I've been hacked. And so she was freaking out. And so I just told her, I said, hey, just give me a call. Just give me a call. We'll talk about it. We got to get this under control. We got to get them out of your system. So I just need to know what's going on. So she gave me a ring and kind of explained the situation, which was not exactly super exciting for her at the moment. But I have to say she was handling it remarkably well, remarkably calm for someone in her shoes. Mm. So... Well, first, thing we did,
0: we went into Twitter, and wait, wait, we back, changed. back, back up for a second. So, what exactly did they take over? I mean, let's just let's just summarize. Well, it on when, high level. by the
2: time by the time I called Darren, my Twitter had been taken over, and my Instagram had been taken over, and I didn't realize at this point that they were in my inbox. So, they had also taken over my mail accounts, but I didn't realize that. So, every time I changed a password, they were like, "Hey." thanks for the email. Like they were getting everything I was changing. And I didn't realize that until I got on the phone with Darren. I had kind of locked down with his help, my Facebook account very quickly, but they were still in my Twitter and they were still, they, they had completely taken over my Instagram and I was kind of screwed in that department. There was nothing I could do once they took over there um, without the help of Instagram. But Darren and I then spent the next literally eight hours on the phone through the night, kind of trying to patch up every leak where they could continuously get in.
0: So, and I, if I recall from listening to your podcast, they pretty much taunted you and said, watch as we take over, right? Didn't they?
2: They did. Yeah. And, and my, pro- my mistake and Darren said, warned me early on, like, Shaleen, listen, <laughs> you know, I know you're feisty, but you need to ignore them. Just ignore them. Don't respond. Don't engage. Don't acknowledge nothing. And I should have taken his advice because I, I really made things worse for myself by by being annoyed and like l- engaging with them.
0: Now, Darren, um, I mean, well, first of all, everyone who's listening at this point, imagine all the years that you have been spending to build up your social media accounts on your various social channels and in a moment to have someone take it over and essentially sell it to the highest bidder. Isn't that what happened, Chalene? They I mean, from what you could tell, right?
2: Yeah, it is what happened. And and they told me that's what they were doing. You know, it wasn't, that's the thing is people assume this is, oh, this is personal because, you know, you're someone of notoriety or or this or that, but it wasn't. It was just, I was a name on a list who they set out to get that night and I made it personal by engaging, but it happens to everyday people. It happens to those without a big social media account. For me, it was extremely upsetting because that's my livelihood. I teach Instagram. So to watch them take over my account and start not just, I mean, at first they started deleting every single post I created over the last four and a half years. So I watched in the matter of about an hour and a half every single oh post i would ever done. Deleting. One by one. <laughs> yeah, one by one. I'm like, no, no. And then they started posting videos of animal cruelty and violent porn. And I have all these hundreds of thousands of followers who I felt so helpless and I felt responsible and I, uh, but yet I didn't want them to unfollow me or block me yet. (laughs) But at a certain point they just had to, because it it was horrific what they were posting.
0: What was the cost to you through this entire process?
2: Oh, it's been in excess of, well in excess of $200,000. Um, And that, you know, I want to be clear on that. That's not that they've taken that money from me. It's that that includes um, security experts we've had to hire. Uh, That includes loss of uh, wages. All of my employees stopped working. We had to stop working for about two weeks. We couldn't share accounts. We had to completely disassemble. We had to relearn how we were going to operate as a team. We um, couldn't run any of our Facebook ads. I couldn't run any of my Instagram trainings or webinars. Everything had to come down because I I couldn't tell people how to do things on social media until I could stand up and say, okay, but first, you've got to make sure you're safe. So in, in loss of revenue, loss of wages, um, cost to fix things and do things right, it's, it's well in excess of $200,000.
0: Darren, um, the people behind this kind of stuff, are these just everyday hackers or is this organized crime?
1: Well, it can, be, it can be either, right? So this is essentially a sport for some people. It's a hobby for others. But as we had discussed on Shaleen's podcast, you have to respect what these people do. You have to respect, and as hard as that is to digest, they are experts in their fields. And since there aren't really any legal ways for them to pursue their expertise, this is how they do that. And so you almost can't fault them for doing what what anybody else would do, just like we want to be better in social media, and we're working on email marketing, and we're just looking to perfect our crafts. They're just doing the same thing. So it's really what I want everybody to understand here is like, I don't want you to worry about the hackers. I don't want you to focus on the fear. I want you to worry about you and what you're doing to protect yourself. And it's it's unfortunate that it comes down to situations like this that expose all these holes that we kind of knew in the back of our heads we probably should have patched, but we would just put that off, right? I actually see this equate kind of on the same parallel to fitness, right? People tend to be more reactive instead of proactive. Just like waiting until that health condition pops up. And then once that disaster arises, then they decide to get in shape. So too mm-hmm. often it takes that unfortunate disaster to get someone to appreciate the value of simple preventative measures.
0: Well, I will tell you, and I, I've told Shaleen this offline, that um, I'm, I'm glad I'm sad and glad at the same time that this happened to you, Shalene, because you have made it your mission to make sure that everyone knows how to protect themselves from this. Yeah. And um, I know that myself and countless others who have listened to your show and will listen to this show are going to be better off as a result of this happening to you because they picked with the wrong person. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, Darren, um, a lot of people listening right now are social media you know, marketing people or their entrepreneurs and social media is a key part of their business. And most of them would absolutely wig out if Hmm. what they've been building for years was all of a sudden taken Mm -hmm. over and sold to the highest bidder. So let's start breaking this down. You know, what can we do? Let's start at the social platform level, wherever you want to start. Um, But what can we do to begin to put some defenses in place?
1: Well, that's, That's really the heart of the matter here. It's going back to the first steps, right? we got to build that solid foundation. So the very, very first thing that you need to do is shift your focus from fear, like I just said, and put that energy into understanding and controlling what we do know and using these tools and learning about them. It's very surprising how often I encounter people who are just phenomenal at what they do in the social media world. You have Shalene, for example, and they're brought down by something like this. They could have been avoided. So the very, very, very first thing that we want to do is get a password manager. Now, this password manager, there are many ones out there. There's 1Password, LastPass, Dashlane. There's so many out there. I personally use and recommend 1Password. That's what we set Shalene up with. Now, what this does, it's so much more than just a way to store passwords. Think about trying to generate random, unique, hard passwords that are long and have digits and capital letters, lowercase letters, numbers, all this stuff, trying to generate that and keep track of this. It's just nearly impossible. So the first thing we want to do is use that password manager to generate strong passwords, passwords that we don't even know. This is going to be our best defense initially.
0: And by the way, let me, let me just chime in here. I, I love 1Password. Every single employee and every contractor in the company is mandated to use it. And what's great about 1Password is, first of all, um, it synchronizes. It works on Windows and Mac and Android and iPhone. But what's really cool is it synchronizes with whatever cloud, you know, whatever you want, Dropbox or whatever. And when you update, for example, on your Mac a password to a website, it automatically updates onto your iPhone or Android, which I love, right? So it's a one place, set it and forget it kind of thing. And I also love the fact that on an iPhone, once you've entered in your master password the first time, you can use your thumbprint to get in and out of this this thing, which I think is brilliant.
2: And can I interject about one password? Okay. (laughs) Because here's the message I want to get across to people is even if I had an crazy, ridiculous, you could never, ever guess a password, they still would have been in my inbox. And here's why. Yep. Because they were able, and here's what they did. They called my email provider, said that they were working on my behalf. We've since learned this, that they were working on my behalf as security experts and that they needed to reset my password. Then whoever you know they interacted with on um, the line said, "We well, you need to answer these security questions. Social engineers know the security questions because they can buy them. For $9, you can know, Michael, what street you grew up on and um, your My wife's maiden made name. name. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so they just they just refresh until they get enough, uh, you know, a, 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 two questions. That's it. All they need is to answer. Two security questions and they're in and they can reset your password. And that's why it's so important that you think beyond the password, as Darren likes to say, <laughs> because with one password... Then, and Darren taught me how to do this, I went back in and I created these encrypted, randomized responses to my security questions. So now, rather than actually giving the name of my first pet, it's, you know, a a string of characters and letters and numbers.
1: And this is invaluable. I mean, truly invaluable. Never, never, and I do mean never, answer security questions, honestly, because you can go to all this work to come up with these crazy, insane passwords But if you answer those security questions honestly, all somebody has to do is then plug that information in and now they have access to your account. Once they have access to that email, every service that is connected to that email is potentially at risk because all they have to do then is click forgot password that is sent to there. They click the link and they're in.
0: Yeah, we're going to get into email a little bit more. For sure. Well, actually, let's get into email right now because I think the email is the crux of the whole thing here, at least Mm -hmm. a key part of it. Um, I know an enormous amount of people use Gmail and I know it's not the only email service that's out there, but I know that um, socialmediaexaminer.com domain is run on top of a corporate Gmail account. And I know that a significant number of people are using this kind of account. So, um, Darren, what does Gmail offer that is unique Um, from a security perspective?
1: Well, from a security standpoint, it's the two-step verification that they offer. And what two-step verification is, also kind of known as two-factor authentication, authentication, it's kind of tossed back around. They are slightly different, but for general situations, two-step verification, when you log in, you enter your password, you enter your email address, just like normal, but then it prompts you for a code. And that code could either be texted to a mobile device or it could be generated inside of an app such as Google Authenticator or inside 1Password itself. 1Password now built that functionality in, and it is truly amazing wow, to have that, that feature in there. It's just, it, it saves so much time because before we had to use multiple apps like Google mm-hmm. Authenticator or these other ones, and it just really streamlines this process. So it's essentially a second one-time password that expires, expires. So you have to enter that within a certain amount of time. Now, what that does is it ensures that if somebody else tries to access your account, or maybe you're just logging in from a different browser than it's used to, or a different computer, a different location, it's going to prompt you for that. So in this case, Shaleen, if she had been using Gmail, she would have been alerted. That code would have popped up, that request. And then she would have known immediately that, hmm, there's something going on here. Somebody's either trying to get in. I don't know. I better look into this. Well, And, and I, I, I think ahead. it's
2: important for people to, to know, like, I was using Gmail, but I hadn't, I hadn't gone through all of my old accounts. Like, e- everything was tied to that original, dumb, first email oh, that man. I ever had. And so, like, you know, people have to think, like, everything you've ever set up, your bank accounts, your financial institutions, your Facebook, um, Amazon, like, everything, you need to go in and see which email account it's attached to. And I want
0: people to understand how easy it is. I mean, literally, if you just Google the phrase, Google two-step, it'll actually walk you through how to do it. But once you once you identify your, your phone, um, it'll go ahead and text you a number and, and verify it. And then once you log into, into a device and you say it's a trusted device, I believe it's 30 days, right, Darren, before you have to do that again on that particular device. Does that sound right?
1: I yeah, if you check that box, it can be thirty days.
0: Yeah. So, um, but on top of this, they also will provide you a short list of security passwords in case your smartphone is stolen or or you lose it, and that's where I where I put those inside of one password. Do you recommend doing that as well?
1: Yeah, that is one way to do it. Now, I've kind of shifted away from that, and the reason why is because the less amount of information out there, the better. Right. So, initially, I left a backup code in there. Our backup phone number in there. So instead of just using the Authenticator app, I could also get that code texted to me. Then I read about a case where this is potentially the only case where two-step verification has been bypassed. And that's by kind of doing what Shalene mentioned earlier. They called into the cellular provider of a customer and got in that way. It was, they were then able to forward that phone number to theirs and receive the codes. And then they basically defeated the whole two-step verification process. Mm, yeah. So what, what I recommend doing, after you set up that code in your password manager or Google Authenticator, whichever you choose, you then delete those backup codes. You then delete that backup phone number. So the only way is through that app. And that's why I love 1Password because I'm always either going to have a device be it an iPad, an iPhone, a Mac, something that has one password on it and can receive that code because once it 's in there it 's again synced like you said earlier to all these devices, and it just makes it so simple so if you 're on the computer, you grab that one time code, you pop it in if you 're on your phone, you grab it and pop it in it's
0: okay, very so simple. just so for some people, even like i 'm pretty dang technical and I totally am a little confused, so just so mm-hmm. I understand it sounds like the newer version of one password does have its own built in authenticator, if you will, that will randomly generate the codes. And somehow you can tell Google that that's where uh, the code is going to come from. Is that correct? That's correct. So it's basically like this, to sum it up very quickly. You open
1: your login. So say Google. Inside there, you're going to see a field, little plus sign that says, add one time password. You click that. As you're going through the process of two-step verification and setting up this Authenticator app in Google itself, it's going to show you a QR code. You're just going to take a picture of that with your phone. It plugs it in, and then from that moment forward, it remembers it. That's it.
0: Okay. And 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 then instead of texting your phone with this code, somehow the code comes through the 1Password is what I hear you saying.
1: Yeah, it just continues to generate. Gotcha. Generate and
0: times down every 30 seconds.
1: And gotcha. then you it have just to enter that. It does it
2: for code. you, which is kind of amazing. My question was, which I'm sure people listening have – but what if my password management program is hacked into? Mm-hmm. Then d- haven't I made it like really convenient for these hackers if they hack into one of these programs?
1: It is extremely, and I do mean extremely difficult for someone to crack, say, a one password database. And the encryption on it would be very hard to break in a
0: human lifetime.
1: So, it's, really, if you, be, but if you got a
0: weak master password, then that's your Achilles' heels, exactly.
1: Right? And so that's where I'm going next. Your 1Password, your master password, really the, one of the only ones that you need to remember for the rest of your life, it needs to be very strong, but at the same time, memorable enough for you to enter frequently. So if you use that same password that you've been using for every other site, or your dog's name and the year you were born, or something trivial like that, you are opening yourself up to potentially giving access to all your passwords. But by that same token, if you make it so hard that you forget it, you're not getting into that vault. It is gone. You have to
0: start over. Mm-hmm. The good news is it does provide you a hint, but I, but I type in there no clue.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so, what I
1: do
0: recommend here is putting your
1: information in a, like a spouse's vault or a friend or a relative or a brother, a sister, something. Or a so safe deposit box, right? Yeah. So, a lot of people, you know, husbands and wives or spouses, what they do is they have each other's master passwords in there as long, also they have everything else. So social security numbers, combinations, safety deposit boxes, life insurance information, all this stuff. So in the unfortunate circumstance, this is actually handed down and, you know, God forbid something happens. You now have all this information without having to freak out in just the absolute worst circumstance, say, in in the event of a death or something like that, there've been stories where this really did come in very handy for people and save the day.
0: So, um, okay. So let's, let's scale back for a second here. So we know so far that the email is the critical thing, because if someone is able to take over our email account, then they can go ahead and reset potentially our passwords because generally that goes back to your email account. So if they can get to the email account, they can get to everything. So first and foremost, we secure that email account with some crazy outlandishly long password that nobody could ever possibly guess. (laughs) Secondly, we talked about the security passwords, right? So um, inside of 1Password, you can create notes. And in there, you could go ahead and you could say, all right, what are the security questions that my bank asked me? And then you can go ahead and you can you can randomly go in and change those to, to random character strings. And then you save those inside of 1Password, right? So that you can go ahead and pull those up whenever you need to pull those up. So th- just those two things alone are really huge. But it but there's some extra things that the social networks provide, and in particular, Twitter and Facebook. Um, and I don't know how familiar you are um, with, with Twitter, but if you are familiar with Twitter, let's talk about some of the things that Twitter allows you to do and some of the things that Facebook allows you to do. If you don't know, then I can go ahead and speak to it also.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they offer their own version. So let's talk Facebook, for example. They have a code generator that will use the Facebook mobile app to accomplish the same thing. and you can use that but you can also use it with one password or google authenticator so you could use it with your app of choice you don't have to be tied to facebook like a lot of people believe which i actually prefer i don't like to have to have the facebook app to get in whereas i prefer that simple way to just do the one time password one password i copy it i paste it i'm in i'm done but definitely enable that definitely enable that cuz that strong password you know, it's only as strong as the steps you take to secure it. Well, a couple. Oh, so, oh, go sorry. ahead, go ahead,
0: Celine.
2: So many of the um, things that really took us quite some time to get everybody up and running was I had to just change everybody's behaviors in in my office and with the many consultants that we work with. Once this happened, and I realized that everybody's been compromised. Like, just you just have to operate that way that your information's out there, and you know now I'm you know more aware of it than ever that any hole is a hole that rodents can get in through. So we've got to make sure everybody on the team is kind of thinking differently about their behaviors. And whereas I used to share accounts, like even allow assistants to log in to my Hmm. Facebook as me and manage groups or whatever, it was really important that we we didn't get lazy about this ever again and that everyone had their own administrative privileges, that each person was using their own two-factor authentication and that we weren't just doing this on Facebook and on Twitter, but we were doing it everywhere and really... Um, just changing the way we operate online because, you know, we've all been so excited and spent so much time figuring out how to get everybody online and to build our influence and to build our businesses and everybody's online. And now we're like, Oh no, we're not safe.
0: Well, one thing that's really cool about Gmail, Facebook, and Twitter is they all allow you to get the SMS notification. If someone is logging in, um, uh, to a new client, for example, or if someone's attempting to log in. And I definitely have turned on that SMS notification on Facebook and on Twitter and on, on Gmail. As a matter of fact, I wanted to tell you guys, after I went through and started setting up all these things, um, You know, I, if you have a, a corporate Gmail account, you have to actually go in there and, and um, you have to authorize the two-step across the entire account. But it's funny because literally a day later, I got a notification that somebody in Australia Mm. was logging into one of my accounts that I hadn't used in forever. And it was one of my YouTube accounts. And I was like, are you kidding me? See, if I hadn't turned that on, I would have never known. And I was immediately able to go in there and realize we were so stupid. We were using, um, name at whatever the name was at social media com was the, I, the, the, user identity and the password was social media examiner, <laughs> uh-huh. Perfect. you know, but I immediately got notified that someone in like Perth, Australia or whatever was using it. And I was like in five minutes on there changing that sucker. And I think that's part of the thing also to make sure that you turn on these login notifications, right? Because, That's one of the things that shocked me at first when I looked on Facebook and on Google. Was it shows you all these different places where all these active accounts are logged in. I thought that was kind of shocking, didn't you?
2: Oh, I I was just shocked, shocked by all of it, and and just you know really trying to make sure that everyone understands this. It's just where we are today, and we've got to kind of change the way we've operated and not to be nervous about it, just to adopt it. You know, the first time you probably picked up a smartphone, it seemed overwhelming and technical and cumbersome, but eventually you realize we're much safer this way, and to just kind of change—it's hard for people who are trusting and nice to imagine that anyone would be evil, right, or have these kind of motives, but now I'm just—everything I receive, I stop and I go, okay— I should be suspicious of this first. Let me look at it. And, you know, just even this recently, um, Darren and I, people have been reaching out to us because they've heard about the story and just account a after account after account of people who are like, I did the two-factor authentication and I still got hacked because they clicked on suspicious emails asking them to verify their identity. And that's a big one, isn't it, Darren?
0: Talk about that, it's Darren. It's huge. How do so, we, I mean, look, let let's be let's be clear. Do, does anybody ever send any kind of message or email, any of these systems asking you to verify it over email? Probably not, right?
1: No. So let's get into this for a second, just the sheer magnitude of what we're facing. So the Navy, the US Navy captures 110,000 cyber attacks every single hour. That's approximately 30 every second. So the sheer magnitude of what's occurring out there is just happening constantly. I mean, just one after another. But these hackers and fishermen, pH fishermen, are only as capable as the amount of line that we give them. So we I'm just shocked at how much information we willingly divulge out there. Just for example, I was at a food truck the other day. There's this amazing food truck in our town and we were eating some grass fed hamburgers and I walked up to pay and I looked down and there's a clipboard. And on that clipboard is sign up for our email list. And I could have just taken a picture of that list and I would have had everybody's address, phone number, first name, last name, and email address. Mm -hmm. And people just willingly gave that. And if you think about this, just from an email perspective, We communicate primarily over this plain text email. Think of how many forwards, how many replies that you get on a daily basis. And then where do those go? Where do they circulate? And what information we divulge there. Because we're trusting. Human beings are naturally trusting. If somebody asks you for something, your instinct is to provide them with that information. So if somebody in your company emails you and says, Hey, can you fire me over this account number? I need to plug it in. Or I need the password to this social media login boom. Now that's plain text. That hasn't been encrypted. That's just out there. So eventually somebody could potentially get that.
0: What's your thoughts that- on one-time-secret.com? Are you familiar with that, Darren? Mm. Mm, no. Let me explain what it is. OneTimeSecret.com is a website where you can go ahead and paste any text you want into an, a field and hit encrypt. And, well, actually you have to give it a passphrase and then you hit encrypt. And then when, you can email that over an unsecure network. Um, and... It's only usable once. So, for example, um, once you put in that passphrase, um, that is destructed. It's like a self-destructing system. So, what I do is I use one time to send, for example, FTP login information, um, and I won't send the passphrase over email. I'll send it via different channel. Do you understand where I'm going with that? So, I might yeah. send it via Skype or something, so that only the person, you know, I'll have a verbal conversation with them, and I'll say, okay, passphrase is coming over Skype. And um, the link is coming over email. If that, if that link is shared or clicked on a second time and that passphrase is put in, it doesn't work. It self destructs. Mm-hmm. Did and, you say
2: it was onetimesecret.com? I
0: think it's one time secret. Yeah, I'm actually okay. familiar
1: with these services. I just was, yeah. Did I so, say one
0: time password? I might have been one time secret. Yeah, it's onetimesecret.com. Okay. What are your so, thoughts on these things?
1: Well, I got to, you know, just to play the devil's advocate, I'm always a little leery of web based apps that operate, you know, just in the web. That's right. why I tend to stick with one password savers LastPass, which was recently compromised. Right. So, ideally, for you and anybody else listening, here is how I would like you to communicate if you have sensitive information. If you have an iOS device, so an iPhone, iPad, iPod, and even a Mac, any Apple device— Turn on iMessaging. Now, iMessaging is encrypted, encrypted to the point where the FBI actually has issue with it that they can't crack it and get into it. So Apple can't even get in there and and get this information. So if you're going to send sensitive information, I always encourage you to do that over iMessage. Now, if you're an Android user, you have WhatsApp. You might be familiar with it. It's cross-platform. It's on Android, BlackBerry, Windows Phone, and iOS as well. So, always use a secure, encrypted messaging app or email. Um, what was there's another email I came across recently. Uh, what's it called? Hushmail. Hushmail. Yeah, they have encrypted paid options for individuals and businesses. But if we're going to send personal information, just like you alluded to with that web-based service, make sure you do it securely. Don't send it over a text message. So often, I see iOS users sending stuff. Just firing it off to a friend, a husband, a wife—something that I would never recommend sending over a text message. What about again, Dropbox? That is plain text.
0: What about putting so, something in a Dropbox and sharing that? Is that secure? It depends.
1: How did you secure your Dropbox? Right. So again, we're only as secure as the steps we take to secure these things. So if you just have a password on Dropbox and you've answered some honest security questions, then I would not say it's secure at all. Hmm. But if you use the two-factor authentication, you have set up the codes on both your personal and your Teams account, since a lot of people out there probably have the Teams accounts, make sure you do it on both if they're linked. Then I would say it is secure. So it all comes down to how you're protecting it, right? We need to be very aware of the steps we're taking online because we don't want to just go to all this trouble in one area and then totally just outdo ourselves in one other area that we just didn't even
0: think about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Shaleen, tell us a little bit about like what what were some of the steps that you took once you once you figured out okay I need to turn on two step for my various social platforms what did you do after that
2: you know i really just took an approach like i am going to scrub this thing clean i and I, the first night like once i kind of locked them out of my email account I I had that feeling kind of like in a horror movie where you see them, you know, slam the door and lock it shut and the aliens are on the outside and you're panting and collapse with your hand on the door thinking that you're safe. And then suddenly they start coming in through the windows and a back door and through crevices and holes and faucets. And that's kind of what I felt like the next day when I woke up and realized they could still... They could still get in in so many other ways I hadn't thought about. So I really spent the next, um, really three weeks. It's taken three. It took three weeks from the day of the initial hack to to really feel like okay, absolutely everything I could think of, I've done my due diligence in making sure I'm as safe as possible. Like as Darren says, you know, if somebody really wants in, they can get in. But if I make it difficult for them, then I've I've done my part. So I started by taking. Um, out a piece of paper and creating a master brainstorming list of absolutely every account, every email, every online um, membership site, every eBay and um, uh, PayPal, just everything I could possibly think of. Then I started going through my spam folders and my membership sites and old emails and just trying to find everything I could think of. And you know knowing that this is where I build my brand and my presence is social media part of that means I've got to check into places like social media examiner to know what's the latest practice in Facebook on Twitter in, in what's what's up and coming and now I just have to go okay well part of my day where I do that I have to divide that up and spend at least the first 15 minutes kind of looking at cybersecurity so that I can stay ahead of this and I I like it now. I just feel so much more safe.
0: Uh, Darren, what do you want to say to people that are using like Firefox and all that to save all their passwords? Because I mean, that was like, this was like, um, this is what so many people, the web browser says, do you want to store that password? I mean, that's, I bet you most people are are like, well, you know, I want the convenience of having the web browser store it for me. Is that safe? Oh, it's very convenient, isn't it? Totally. (laughs) So
1: again, (laughs) again, it's, only as safe as the steps you took to secure it. So that password, so for example, if you're using Safari and you're using a very weak iCloud password, then no, I would say your information's not as safe. But let's say that we now get away from that. We shift into using the browser extensions of 1Password or your password manager. That's the ideal situation. So what that does, it allows you to then stop using the browsers themselves go in, go into the preferences, turn that off, right? So we want to turn off remembering to save passwords, personal information, filling out forms, all that kind of stuff. We're going to disable that. In Chrome, you have to go into the advanced settings and preferences. In Safari, you can just go right in there and do it very easily. Next, we're going to install those browser extensions. Now, the browser extensions are going to do the same thing that that was doing, but they're going to do it more securely. It's going to do it with all that information that you've stored in 1Password. So you can have your credit cards in there. You can have your addresses. You can have all your identities. You can have every login that you've ever created anywhere in 1Password, and with just one click, it just plugs it in. It's very easy. One of the major reasons that I prefer this over using the browsers to do it is because that information from the browsers can be captured. So let's say, you know, whenever you go to a site... And it just automatically plugs in your information, right? So if something were to spoof that site, it would just plug in your information. It has that login information right now. So with 1Password, it's going to warn you. If, for example, you're not on the secure version of a website, being HTTPS versus HTTP, that browser extension is going to warn you and say, hey, this isn't the secure version of a site. Are you sure you want to log in here? Sometimes you do, maybe. Sometimes you don't. But you need to be aware of this stuff.
0: Well, I had, uh, those that are longtime listeners to the podcast know that, um, somebody broke into our offices and actually, uh, pulled two of my iMacs off my desk and through a window without triggering a motion sensor. They knew what the heck they were doing. And, um... I was pretty shocked because, you know, once they have access to your computer, if you're using the browser to store all those passwords, guess what? (laughs) They've got access to everything. So one of the things that I did was I bought a laptop and I call it my dummy machine. You know, it literally has nothing on there. Everything is stored in one password. And that way, if I lose that laptop and in Dropbox, you know, and secured and all that stuff, if I lose that laptop, I could go to any other laptop and be back online in minutes as long as I just go download one password. (laughs) Now, is that a
1: Mac or a PC?
0: Mac. So
1: one thing for Mac users, this is a great feature and it works for iOS devices as well. Make sure to enable in the iCloud settings to find my Mac or find my iPhone or find my iPad. What that does is that has essentially stopped theft of iPhones. Like iPhone theft has decreased dramatically because it essentially bricks the phone. And that person that takes it can't use it because you have to disable that on the computer, on the device before you restore it or do anything. So
0: it essentially renders it useless. So definitely turn that on. Um, Darren, what are your thoughts about all these apps that we've used uh, uh, to, to log in? You know, Well, actually, let me back up a little story. Clout. Okay. So I have Clout. Mm-hmm. And to my great shock and horror, I use my personal Facebook page um, profile, I mean, for personal reasons and for business. And I, I post to friends, you know, uh, pictures of my kids and all that kind of stuff. And to my shock and horror, I went on to Clout one day and I saw all of my personal posts right up there on Clout, and mm-hmm. I freaked out because I gave Clout to access to my account. And I'm like, "Are you kidding me? Like stuff that I would never want the world to know." So I immediately disconnected Clout from my my personal Facebook profile. But I began asking myself, "Well, what about all these other apps that I've given social login credentials to? I mean, what should we be doing with all that?" What you need to
1: do is immediately go into those apps, into the privacy settings, and disconnect all of those, revoke access to all those other services that are using it. We do not want to, one, share accounts with other people, and two, use one account such as Facebook to log into multiple sites. Because again, what happens if somebody now penetrates Facebook? They have access to all those sites that are connected to it. So we want to create individual logins for every account that we have. Now, you can use your primary email address. Hopefully, it's secured with two-factor, I'm hoping. I'm hoping if you're listening to this, (laughs) it's secured with two-factor or two-step verification. But one thing that I taught Shaleen that she has just loved, and I really like that she's run with this, is using aliases. This is a very nice feature built into Gmail and Google apps. It's
2: changed my life.
1: It's amazing, right? So essentially, what you do is you take... Let's say that it is michael at gmail.com and you are enrolling for a service. You want to sign up for Dropbox. So you're going to use Michael, the plus sign, Dropbox at gmail.com. That is going to forward to you just like any, just like it's your email address. So anything that you put after the plus sign will end up right in your inbox. But what this allows you to do is identify which places are compromising your email address. So say, for example, you had Michael plus Target at gmail.com, and when Target had that huge hack, you started getting a bunch of spam and a bunch of information, a bunch of phishing emails. You can
0: just delete that thing, right?
1: Well, you can even set up a filter, and you just say, you know deleted this is spam and you move on you start a new email address otherwise if you start getting a bunch of spam to your primary email address you don't know who was compromised where Where is that coming from and this is just a sweet feature that i really like you could also do this to a limited extent with icloud email because they allow you to have multiple aliases not in the same way as gmail gmail does use it pretty uniquely and i found
0: it to be extremely useful
1: and I love that Chalene's doing that. <laughs> That's really
0: cool. And I mean, I would imagine you could just set up filters for all these things, anyways, and just have them go to different boxes or whatever, um, which would be convenient. Like um, one thing that I'm wondering about is all these cloud-based, you know, Evernote, Dropbox kind of stuff. I mean, we tend to put a lot of stuff in there that can be oh, yeah. pretty private. Yeah. What are your thoughts on how we can secure those?
1: Well, just going to put it out there: if it's a service in the cloud, you need to worry about it. And that's just the fact of the matter. I mean, just last year, 47% of adults had their information exposed in one form or another. 47%. That's basically half the population. Your personal information is out there. So it, what are we going to do? Are we going to shrivel up? We're going to go into a ball where it's going to say, no, I'm just not going to play in the cloud anymore. It's just not for me. I've got to watch Shark Week. I'm busy. No, <laughs> we're not going to do this. We have to, we have to do it. We have to use Dropbox. We have to use Evernote if we want to be productive. So... What do you do? You use two-step verification. You set that up. Evernote offers it. Dropbox offers it. You can go to two-factor auth, like authentication, just abbreviated, two-factor auth.org. And it has a list of all the sites out there that do and do not support two-factor authentication. This is really handy to see who does and who doesn't. So you can quickly just run down the list and set it up, spend a couple hours doing it, Get it done. And that way, all that information that's stored in there, because there is going to be sensitive business information in some of these services, it's protected to the point where if somebody does try to get in somewhere, you're going to get that code. You're going to get that alert. You're going to know that somebody's attempting to get in there.
0: Well, and what I love about that website, uh, twofactorauth.com, is the number two, right? It's not TWO, it's just the number two, right?
1: Uh, No, it's uh, TWO. GWO, yeah. Okay. What Too I love about that, that site
0: is it shows you every conceivable website you can imagine, including your financial institutions and people. Mm-hmm. PayPal is one everybody needs to really think about, right? Because PayPal is linked to our checking account. <laughs> and mm-hmm. um, funny enough, I was talking to my wife and you know we both have PayPal accounts, but hers was totally insecure. And over the weekend, I... I set up some extra level of security on PayPal. And what's great about PayPal is you can set it up so that it sends you an SMS text message literally every single time you try to log in. Mm -hmm. And I think that that or some other kind of authenticator like you're talking about is essential when you're talking about financial stuff, don't you think?
1: Yeah, I found a cool way to kind of play with the SMS functionality too is to use Google voice. Oh, so talk about it's that. A real, yeah. It's a, it's a nice shortcut that I found because over the years, you know, we stopped using home phones and I don't personally like to give out my phone number if somebody doesn't need to have it. So basically every bank, every, every company out there, everybody wants your phone number for something. It's typically a required field, but I don't like to give my personal phone number out because now you're starting to see Phishing attempts on iMessage. You're starting to receive iMessage spam, stuff like this. So what I do is I use my Google Voice. What's nice about Google Voice, creating that free number that you can then forward to any other device, get a multiple devices ring, uh, you can receive text messages to it. Those voicemails are transcribed for you. It's a super nice service. But what I like is that I can classify things as spam in there. I, I know if something's not who they say they are or if it's just spam. So I get a lot of spam in there just from, you know, giving out my phone to reliable places, so I think. So your information, that just really proves how it gets out there. I mean, you're going to do your best to make sure it doesn't, but it's going to get out there one way or another. It just is. So I would really recommend setting up Google Voice because it's a nice way to have a free phone number that will basically kind of act as a virtual assistant for you in a way.
0: And I got to tell you it comes in super super handy. And you can get SMS number SMS messages because it, it issues you an actual phone number, is that right? You sure
1: can. So what's really oh, nice about is it cool. is when you're not in service. So your phone can't receive it, but you have Wi-Fi, guess what still gets all that information? It still gets the call, it still gets the text. Hmm. So Google Voice will still receive that over Wi-Fi. You'll be you'll receive that voicemail. It's emailed right to you, transcribed. You can see who it was and what weird Thing they're saying, or if it's a reliable thing that you need to respond to.
0: Very cool. Um, we're wrapping up here. Chalene, for mm-hmm. the person who is listening right now and is saying, I'm not Chalene Johnson, and I know there's no reason anyone would ever target me. What do you want to say to them?
2: I want to say to them, I would love to play for them the probably dozen or more speak pipe messages or Facebook messages and inboxes I've received from people who Said exactly that. I, I'm not even public in social media. And Chalene, I just been hacked. What can I do? It it's something that everyone has to anticipate could happen to them. You're hearing about people of notoriety because they have a platform. And I'm fortunate enough to be able to use what happened to me as an opportunity to help others. But you know, my neighbor needs to be just as careful as I do. Everybody does. I, I mean. Having someone take over my social media account is not the end of the world. Having somebody go into your bank account without you knowing, that can be devastating. And everyone just needs to take the necessary precautions to avoid those things. It seems overwhelming at first, but if you just go through it in exactly the right order, step by step, it's like anything else. You start developing an expertise, a little bit of know-how. You start to get good at it. You start talking to your neighbors about it, and suddenly you're down with it, you know, and you become the quote unquote expert because you want everybody to be as safe as you are.
0: Darren, um, I know that you track this stuff and you probably read all the industry pubs in this particular space for somebody who, is listening right now that is convinced, all right, I am going to now spend the time mm-hmm. to prevent the hassle down the road, to do that preemptive, you know, uh, not waiting until my health problems come in to, to start getting healthy, to use your analogy. Right. Is there a, uh, a, a favorite or suggested website that they ought to subscribe to or that they ought to track and look at that's kind of maybe the equivalent of Social Media Examiner, but in the security world? Yeah, there sure is. And you can access it by going to beyond the Password.
1: Beyond the password.com. And when you arrive there, you can download my cybersecurity checklist. These are going to be the 10 steps to protect yourself from hackers and stay safe online and just in this connected world in which we live. So if you stay tuned, subscribe to that list. I'm going to get you all those critical updates that you need to know. And I, when I say need to know, these are very important. It's so easy to ignore these things but it is not difficult to implement them. And so I'm going to keep you up to date on beyondthepassword.com if you subscribe to that list right there with all this information. So every week you're going to get what you need to know, what you need to do about it, and best of all, I'm going to help you walk through that.
0: Awesome. And I will tell everybody that's listening right now that Darren is totally an expert. I mean, I've listened to hours and hours of Darren <laughs> um, and he has helped me to be really, really secure. And even prior to the, us going live, we were talking about some stuff. This guy knows what he's talking about. So beyond Um, Why don't we tell everybody where they can find out more about both of you, Shaleen, if you want to mention your podcast and whatever else you got going on, and then Darren sure. will let you uh, mention anything else you want to mention.
2: Well, if people want to just hear that story, you can go to build your tribe and it's a five part series. I kind of start with the first day that I was hacked and and kind of each day things started to change. I was updating people uh, on my podcast and that's build your tribe. And you can find that in the business section on iTunes. And I'm also at shaleenjohnson.com.
0: Darren, um, anything beyond beyond the password.com that you want to, you know, if people want to reach out to you on social or anything, how can they find you?
1: Yeah, so you can pretty much find me, Darren, D-A-R-R-E-N, N-A-T-O-N-I, Darren Natoni, across every social media outlet. Uh, But for security-specific information, stay tuned to Beyond the Password because we have some very cool stuff in development that is going to really, really help you. And uh, that's all I'm going to say right now. But if you subscribe there, you'll be the first to know about it. And it is going to just really help you. Feel secure, feel safe, and understand what's going on. It's like I said, it's not difficult. It is doable for anybody. It doesn't matter if you're 18 or 80. You can do this. I promise you can do this. So just stay tuned. We're going to give you everything you need to know.
0: Well, Shaleen uh, and Darren, thank you both so much for coming on the show. Shaleen, uh, for sharing a little bit of your story. And I know you were, you know, um, obviously you, you, you had a really difficult struggle, but I'm glad you've come out from the other side of it. And I'm super glad you had somebody like Darren on your side. So thank you both for coming on the show and sharing a little bit more. And it's my hope that people are going to take this very seriously and start getting more secure. You got well,
2: it. Thank you so much it. for the opportunity, Michael.
0: Thank you. Well, I know that if you're like me, when I first heard this stuff, I'm like, okay, I've got a lot of work to do and you do have a lot of work to do, but you really need to think about this as an insurance policy to make sure that your business is not going to have the kinds of problems that are happening so often today. Now, I know there was a lot of things that we mentioned today and we've taken all the notes for you. All you need to do is visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash 158. That stands for episode 158. And by the way, if you're new to the podcast, hit that subscribe button so you don't miss a future episode of this show. And this brings us to the end of yet another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner. I'll be back with you in the driver's seat next week. And I hope you make the absolute best out of your day. And may social media continue to change your very secure, hopefully world.
1: The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner.
0: Hey, just a quick reminder, join the Social Media Marketing Society today and level up your marketing for your company or your clients. Visit smarketingsociety.com to find out more.